it's a little too quick for my liking because it doesn't seem like <laughs> I see you smiling over there. <laughs> <laughs> we've talked way too many and we've talked too much. There's been too much sexual innuendo this episode. I don't like the Formula One pit stops. Question 10. Welcome to Going In Tight. Coming out loose. Welcome back, everybody, to Going In Tight, Coming Out Loose. This is episode 18. Bart and I's podcast is now old enough to buy a pack of cigarettes. So uh, we're making it. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Bart's already bought a couple. So we are going to start out this week and we are going to rant and rave about Talladega. It sure gave us a lot to talk about. Bart, what do you have to rave about from the race at the super speedway? I mean, that was amazing. It gave you everything that you would ever want in a NASCAR race. If you didn't like that, then it's the wrong sport for you. Mm -hmm. Because I yelled, I screamed, jumped up and down. Like that's what you want out of a NASCAR race. And I tend to always do that at Daytona and Talladega. Love super speedway racing. And that just gave me everything I ever wanted in a race, despite the finish, which we'll get to. What did you, you think about it? You know, I, I agree. I, th- I think it was such great racing. NASCAR has clearly figured out the restrictor plate racing. I think they do an incredible job at these tracks. And one thing that we saw in this race that I have to commend all these drivers that we have poo-pooed since we started this podcast, Quinn Half. They all were up and, and vying for a top 10 and a top 15. That just lets you know that there is a formula that can work to make every car competitive. And I don't know if it's, you know, we tout Steve Phelps for what he does. I don't know if he's just found the right formula at super speedways road courses have been a lot better as well so i don't know if he's just figured those out and made it so that everyone's competitive we'll see here in the future if he's able to figure out some of these intermediate tracks well if you have enough wrecks you're bound to do well but yeah yeah (laughs) yeah but up here in the top 20 like that that's not just looking out from everyone in the wreck for the most Mm -hmm. part ty dillon third um was one that's pretty impressive and he does consistently well at super speedway John Hunter Niemczak in the top 10, Brennan Poole, Brian Priest, mm-hmm. Justin Haley um, rounding out the uh, top 11. Timmy Hill in, in 15th position, Joey Gay 17th, Cody Ware 19th. Cody Ware did better than Kevin Harvick. How about that one? <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. Where did our boy Quinn Howe finish? Where is Quinn Howe? Oh, he is number 13. I just naturally scan over his name. 13th. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats, Quinn. I mean, that's a, that's a solid finish. I, but, I, I mean, that just goes to tell you, like, all those names aren't the ones that you hear mm-hmm. being interviewed on the track afterwards. They're usually the guy that you, you hear has, you know, blown a, a tapered spacer. It's fallen out or their radiator's gone out. Something has happened to the car because they're running old parts. They're running the same parts every other week. So uh, I, I really have to rave about the quality of the competition that NASCAR put on the super speedways this year. We're not going to see another one. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm impressed with what they've put on. Do you have anything that you were pissed off about during this race? Anything you want to rant about? 
Well, first of all, broken record, the race was five hours long. It was so long that NBC had to move it over to NBCSN. And everyone got mad about that because they don't understand how broadcasting works. And they, they're like, wow, it's just the local news. Why do they have to change it? Football in America was coming on NBC. <laughs> like, yeah. they're not going to let NASCAR continue to broadcast for seven hours while they have that coming up. So that's why that happened. Does it need to be 500 miles long? I don't think so. I mean, it seems like over that 500 miles, there were, I mean, we had so many cautions and you made the comment last week, cautions breed cautions. And that statement played over and over in my head as it seemed like some of the beginnings of these Xfinity series or truck races that we've had where there's no practice and you're like, oh, they've got to figure it out. There's going to be some wrecks at the beginning. It was the whole race. So it just seemed like it was lagging along. Yeah, there was some some crazy wrecks that really brought out some crazy cautions. It wasn't like, um, where's that debris at NASCAR? It was legitimate, crazy, aggressive, hardcore racing mm -hmm. because people are getting down to the wire here. A lot of these playoff drivers and they want to move on to the next round. So there's a lot of desperation in these drivers and a lot of cautions that came out of that, along with drivers who don't often have a chance. And so we saw Bubba Wallace uh, get up there and really have a chance at contending and just kind of made a dumb move right there at the end and, and, and cause a wreck. Man, there was some crazy wrecks. I know that people don't really care for getting hyped up about wrecks. It's kind of like, liking monster jam or demolition derbies right <laughs> it's, but it's it's par with the sport and it happens and you can't argue that it isn't freaking crazy amazing when it happens even though that these people are risking their lives going 200 miles an hour flipping over and crashing into walls mm -hmm. yeah, you know i think the 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 fact was stated uh i i don't know who it was by during the broadcast but the cool thing that i heard was a commercial airliner leaves the ground at 173 miles an hour. These guys are going in excess of 195, sometimes over 200 miles an hour. The fastest lap was 204 miles an hour. So they're going that fast and they're leaving the ground and they're not going up anymore. They're coming back down. I think the safety aspect of it is something that, is cool because you can have these wrecks and you can have aggressive driving like we've seen and still keep these drivers safe, which is not something that you could say about the sport 10, 15 years ago. The biggest thing in this whole entire race and things that will, people will be talking about for years to come, unlike the last three races that we've seen, is that it ended very controversial because of this double yellow line rule that's been around since 2001. We're gonna, we have a whole segment on it. We're not ranting and raving about it. We're gonna break it down for you in a whole segment on the double yellow line rule. So the talk of the town is the fact that the ending of this race at Talladega was wild. And it wasn't even because it was a photo finish. It was the fact that this double yellow line rule popped in and several drivers were penalized in the outcome of the race, debatably, for instance, I've, I've got a contractor working on my floors here at the house. He came down in the basement, sees the NASCAR dungeon, wants to talk about NASCAR. And so we're, we're chatting about it. He used to like it, but he doesn't watch it anymore because it has a ton of rules. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that to 
a certain degree. There are a ton of rules, but I don't think it's necessarily the fact that it has a ton of rules because NFL has a ton of rules. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, that makes sense. And the NFL, I, I, I think one of the things that we're starting to see is that there is an emphasis and you're going to talk about this later and why this rule was implemented, but there is an em- emphasis on rules and there's an emphasis on rules that help implement safety. And so I, I agree that there are a lot of rules in all these sports, but you know, when it comes down to whether a player was bending his knees and he got hit in the helmet and he changed his level of position. And that is very subjective when you're talking about things as small as, and we talked about it when we started this podcast, not everybody that's a NASCAR fan is a car person. So when you're talking about a loose lug nut, when you're talking about a spoiler that is an inch too high or an inch too low, you're talking about exactly a hand over the wall or a, a, a loose tire because it touched the line in front. I mean, there's so many little rules that people can't grasp because they don't understand the intricacies of the sport. And I think that's where the NFL is losing fans. I think that is where NASCAR is also losing fans. But safety seems to be at the base of all of it. So, Bart, why in 2001 did we get this rule? Yeah, so a lot of these rules, while rules are needed, I think they're just kind of Mm -hmm. compounding over the years. And so you get to the point where a lot of safety rules started back in the late 80s into the 90s. And now we're here in 2020 and we have a ton of rules. And every year more rules come about. And some of them good, some of them for a purpose, but some of them like you're talking with lug nuts and the hand over the wall and all these ridiculous things that don't matter in, in the normal fan's eyes just keep compounding. So this rule, it started in 2001 and really uh, it was dangerous at super speedways because they're going so much faster than they are to other racetracks and you're running in packs. So if one person wrecks, everyone wrecks. It's very mm-hmm. dangerous. And especially it was dangerous back in the nineties where uh, the Earnhardt bar wasn't there. The Newman bar wasn't there. All these right. safety advancements they made on the roll cage um, or even interior on in, in the Hans device and all the stuff they done with the seat that wasn't there. So it was really important that they figure out a way to stop so many really brutal wrecks happening right. at super speedway. So people, especially at the end of the race would get either pushed down or try to go down below the yellow line onto the apron to pass somebody. But when they did that, they're going from a banked portion of the track to a flat track while going in excess of 190 miles an hour. Right. So it's, it's a recipe for disaster and it often was. So a point happened where they started this double yellow line rule. So that's how it came about. And it has been no stranger to controversy. And the reason, in my opinion, why that is, is because it's subjective and mm-hmm. it is inconsistent. That's what fires me up about it the most. And so irritated about the finish on Sunday is that I feel like some people won and some people lost and it wasn't consistent at all. I watched a lot of different news on this and some people agree with the way NASCAR did it and say they got it right. They were consistent the whole day. I don't really see it that way. Well, in, in my opinion, and I told you this at right after the race, I don't know how they came to this decision so fast. We saw in the Kentucky Derby a year ago, they took like 20 extra minutes, 20 or 30 extra minutes. We've already been here for five hours, people. 
30 minutes ain't going to kill us for you all to analyze the situation and make a decision. So they did that for the Kentucky Derby, which is a lot like there's a lot of nitpicky rules in horse racing, just as there are in NASCAR. And we see them take a ton of time because of the amount of money there is on the line in these races. And this is a race where there are a lot of people vying for championship status and to get to the next round, to get to the round of eight, to get to the round of four. And it seems like NASCAR just made a knee-jerk reaction off of something that it needed a lot of review and it just doesn't seem like it got that. And there are some instances where you have pointed out before we dive deeper into this i want you to point out some of the instances where we've had wins overturned some people who have gained or lost position because of this because there's a lot of them out there with this double yellow line rule in just the 19 years we've had it yeah tons of drivers tripped a position over the years some big drivers tony stewart kenny wallace sterling marlin mike skinner carl edwards jamie Lou murray all stripped of different positions and but even wins overturned like we mm -hmm. saw this past weekend um, so it's happened to Denny Hamlin before it happened to Johnny Sauter, but most recently, um, I remember Justin Haley, the Xfinity race. He, um, he did not win that because he went below the double yellow line. Yep. And then the most ridiculous one of them all to this day, every, you, everyone, especially on NASCAR Twitter will say <laughs> Regan, Regan Smith won that race over Tony Stewart. And if yes. you go back and look at this race and you look at Regan Smith passing Tony Stewart, it was the same thing, the same exact thing. And that's exactly what's going on here is not the fact that they have rules is they have inconsistent rules. You can't have a rule that is so subjective and so inconsistent that is just going to make everyone very upset. Not only because you're impacting the results so much that really at the end of the year, people will never say, Oh, Denny Hamlin truly won that championship or, Oh man, Kevin Harvick truly won that championship because NASCAR altered the results several times throughout yeah. the, the span of the season. And I think that's just unacceptable, really. The rules should be so clear cut and so easy to judge that nothing like that ever happens. Yeah, and it's one of those situations. This is already a year marred with a ton of things that people aren't used to, whether it be qualifying, whether it be practice, whether it be when you can arrive at the track and start preparing for a race. There is so much that's different about this year. We don't need subjective rules to be a part of the equation. We've already got a crazy equation that tells you where you're going to be starting in the race. So you, you throw in a subjective rule like this, and it seems like it only benefits a narrative that NASCAR is trying to write. And one of the interesting things that I saw was that Bush clash in 2006 where Jimmy Johnson, who is on the rise and he's about to start winning back to back to back to back championships, he has this same case and he's slowing down to go to the pits and he gets passed for somebody avoiding him and that person gets penalized. This is a rule that it seems like it was made to benefit NASCAR's narrative for who they want to win a championship. And it'd be great if Denny Hamlin won a championship this year. It sure looks that way because there are instances where drivers clearly went below the yellow line to advance their position and it wasn't called. So for instance, it happened to Austin Dillon in the trucks, Chase, Chase Elliott in Xfinity and uh, Dale Jr., which we'll see on repeat 
for the rest of our lives because he clearly went below the yellow line and he won the race. So um, at the end of the day, this was a safety rule. And you, you want to see that rule being upheld to the fact that it is, it is not causing cautions. But the fact of the matter is that we're having anywhere from like 10 to 15, 20 cautions, half of, half of the pack getting some sort of damage or being involved in a wreck at some point. It's not limiting any wrecks. It may be even causing them. If you remember, we just talked about this race last week. In 2003, I believe, it was Carl Edwards, Brad Keselowski going to the line at Talladega, and Brad held his line. Carl went down to block him a little bit, as any driver would, and Brad didn't want to go below that yellow line because he knew that he would instantly be disqualified. Guess what? It was one of the more violent wrecks we've seen in Talladega. Carl Edwards went into the wall, destroyed the catch fence, and luckily he walked away. But that's not always the case, and that's proof right there that this rule is not stopping cautions. It's just as guilty as causing cautions. Now let's get to the end of this race. So we had a crazy finish where we had Matty D vying for the win. He pulls a zoomy from the top of the track all the way to the bottom to throw a block. That pushes William Byron below the line. And then William Byron, who had an incredible run, he was coming with incredible speed around Matty D. Mm -hmm. He gets pushed down. So he has to check up and ends up getting loose. And then Denny Hamlin comes up and Denny Hamlin's coming around the left side of William Byron. And it just causes mass chaos. And then at the end of the race, they say, oh, well, Chase Elliott went below the, the, the line too. We're talking three or four rows of cars back from the lead cars. And then they have to reverse the call after the fact because they made this knee-jerk reaction. Matty D clearly threw a block and forced William below the line. William Byron, in my opinion, and if you rewatch it, he had enough speed to easily past Matt Benedetto, and he would have been the easy winner. There are people out there who are saying, even if you don't penalize Matt Benedetto, then Eric Jones is in second place. The only person who doesn't come out of this as a loser is Denny Hamlin, who has consistently won this season. I am not taking a single thing away from him because he's mm-hmm. both in most situations, he's bided his time and he's made it to the end of the race, and he's won. In this situation, that is not what happened. He went below the line, and he stayed there to gain position. He didn't try and course correct immediately. We saw William Byron check up, and he got loose in order to make sure that he didn't catch a penalty, and he ends up losing the race. The end of this race is controversial in a way, like you said, that brings in a subjective narrative that NASCAR is trying to write. And I think that's why so many people are upset. Yeah, I agree. It could have played out so differently had there not been penalties on, on some of those drivers, but NASCAR said that they, their main priority and what their goal was to give everyone a winner as soon as possible. And I don't exactly understand that so much as why that's important to get that out immediately. I mean, the American people sat around for two months and watched a group of Floridians look at hanging chads to figure out who our next president was. We can wait five minutes. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Look, think, 
make an educated decision. You can't just say what's going to be best and what you think is going to play well in the market. And great on NASCAR. Any press is great press. Anytime you're in the news, it's great for you because you're getting it out there. And there's certainly been plenty of positive and plenty of negative this year. This brings it to the heart of the sport. This is a diehard fan issue where you have made a decision and it seems like it was a knee-jerk decision that has not only impacted people's playoff standing, but a guy who needs a win and has not signed a contract back with his team, Matt DiBenedetto needed to win this race. And there are plenty of extenuating circumstances that could have avoided the outcome that we had on Sunday evening. True or false? It's time yet again for another episode of True False. This week, we are talking about NASCAR rules, because why not? It's in the news. It's time to talk about it. I'd ask Chris if he's ready, but I really don't care. Let's get started. Number one. <laughs> Number one, the overtime rule began in 2016. True or false? False. It is true. It began in 2016. Really? Yeah, before that, they were just ending that thing under caution. Can you believe that? Like, how yeah, unexciting I- was that? I remember we said they were ending under caution at one point, but I mean, I I would have thought they'd have figured that out sooner than that. But yeah, all 2016, right. that's crazy. A lot of people don't like the overtime rule because you just do it over and over and over. But the best part of a race is the finish. So and who doesn't like doing it over and over and over? That's right. Who who doesn't like a good finish? <laughs> you got to take your time. You don't want to do it quick. All right, number two. Number two. <laughs> For a family-friendly episode. Number two, the stage breaks were implemented in the year 2017. True or false? False. True again. It was 2017 before they started that. I feel like 2017 was yesterday. I feel like my, as I get older, I'm less cognizant of the years that have gone by. Because I, kn- I know that's a, r- a new rule. I know it's a relatively new rule. First of yeah. all, my 90% is shot to hell in the yeah. first two questions. I'm not getting 90%. No. Nope. But I feel like 2017 is a long time ago. Well, it was because this year has been 10 years. Easily. Yeah. <laughs> At least. Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> let me regroup. <sighs> all right. Well, if you didn't like those two, you'll love this one. The roof hatch is not mandatory at super speedways, and it is up to the team's discretion on whether they would like to include it in the car. That is false. It is false. All the teams have to have the roof hatch at super speedways, obviously, because it's very dangerous. You want to pop out of that thing. But you don't have to have it at intermediates and short tracks and road courses. You don't have to put it on there. It's at your discretion. Hmm. Eh, Didn't know that one, did you? I didn't know all, all of that nonsense behind it it just seems like when you're going 200 miles an hour you need some way <laughs> you need an you need option b well we don't know that because we don't know the rule book and when, <laughs> when i was looking this up did you, i couldn't get access to the rule book you had to have a login for that on nascar's <laughs> well i can tell you going in tight coming out loose is application is coming nascar so if you're listening we're getting that rule excuse book. me nascar i'd like to read this for trivia purposes number four cup drivers are not allowed to race in a playoff race in the truck series true or false 
Okay, so this is what I'm thinking. I know the rules changed this year to where cup drivers could only race a certain amount of races in a lower series. I don't know. I, I know they can't, couldn't vie for a playoff position in a lower series, but does that mean they can't race in a playoff race? I'm going to say true. It is true. That makes sense. Yeah. So cup drivers with more than four years of experience cannot race in the truck series playoffs. If you have less experience than that, say Christopher Bell wants to go over and race a truck playoff race, he can. However, he would have to switch to the truck's points. And I don't think he'd want to do that. No. But that's what I'm talking about. Like, what, what are these rules? <laughs> well, I mean, you and I have talked about it before. I, you know, there are guys, and, and we see this argument within teams when there's like an A.J. Allmendinger and a Justin Allgaier mm -hmm. racing against one another. And Justin's like, hey, man, I'm trying to race for points here. I'm trying to race for a championship. And you're getting in my way. And Justin Allgaier's out here like, well, man, I'm just trying to win races. And, uh, you know, I'm a race car driver too. And, but it's one of those situations like we were talking about. You don't want Kyle Busch coming down and being aggressive, trying to win a race, trying to pad his stats and impacting a mm -hmm. driver in one of those lower series, just like Kyle Busch wouldn't want a driver in a lower series coming up and impacting his mm. playoff run. That's a fair so, point right there. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, if that's the rule, then let's reverse it as well. And let's say none of these Xfinity drivers can come up and race in a playoff cup, a cup playoff race and impact the drivers who are in the championship hunt in the cup playoffs. That'd be hard to kind of regulate. I think it would be like no non-sanctioned team races starting in the playoffs. Agreed. Yeah, that's fine. I'm fine yeah. with that. Which would be Timmy Hill and Daniel Suarez <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. I mean, look, I have, I have relegated myself to the point where I know we're not getting rid of Quinn Half, no matter how hard we try. I, I don't know. The news has not broke. We don't know. Okay. So I am two for four at this point. On to question five. Yeah, let's do it. Number five. When a car is involved in a caution and has damage, the crew is on the clock for three minutes to repair or else they are eliminated from the race. False. It is. Why do you think it's false? Because it's six minutes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, boy. God. Oh, man. That got uh, my NASCAR juices flowing. I, I got to get tricky with these because you, you keep getting hard questions right. So mm -hmm. now I'm, I'm just getting very intricate with, with the questions. Yes. Yeah. All right, number six. Teams were limited to seven sets of tires at this week's Talladega race. True, true. or false? True. It was true. How, do you know that or are you just guessing? No, I, you know, it, it's one of the benefits of having a NASCAR podcast, folks. Even the races you don't want to watch, like freaking Kansas and Texas twice, you watch them and you figure out things that you're going to have little bits to talk about. That was one of them. So they were talking at the end of the race because Chase was running out of gas. Matty D was possibly running out of gas. And 
they were all coming back around and they were talking about putting skids back mm -hmm. on, which are used tires during the race for all of those who don't know what skids are. Or a nasty and, poop. <laughs> correct. So <laughs> they were talking about putting skids back on the car. And one of the comments they made is that they only had seven sets of tires to use for this race. So uh, yeah, that, that's why I knew that one is just because I was in tune to uh, everything that I could be. Which the crazy thing is Alex Bowman had like 15 pit stops. So like, how did that happen? What, did, what were they doing? How many well, well, if you saw Alex Bowman's car, it, he was pretty much driving a roll of duct tape by the end of it. So I think it was more uh, how many rolls of tape were they allowed to have in his mm -hmm. pit stall than the tires. I think duct tape is missing a very primetime opportunity for a sponsorship in NASCAR, especially for Talladega or Daytona. <laughs> no kidding. I mean, that would be prime. Mm -hmm. Number seven, the rear spoiler ranges in height from no spoiler at road courses, 2.75 inches at short tracks and intermediate tracks to eight inches at a super speedway. True or false? False. Yes. And how do you know that one? I know that one because if you watched Talladega and you saw the spoiler on that car, there's no way it's only eight inches. It is only eight inches. What? Yeah. It looks like it's a freaking foot high. But I know, I know that there are different packages for different racetracks. Obviously, at Talladega, that spoiler is going to be higher. They're going to try and create that draft, keep everybody close, keep everybody moving along. I don't know the exact heights when you move to the mile and a half, when you move to the short tracks. I know it's a lot smaller at short tracks. And then a road course, they're just asking you to drive the hell out of the car. So I don't know if the spoiler's non-existent, but I know that it'd be tiny. Yeah. So a lot of inches here that we're about to talk about. Eight <laughs> inches is huge in, in Chris's opinion. Apparently it looks like a foot. So that used to be on every single car the Sorry, entire honey. year. <laughs> it used to be on every car. Even at short tracks, it made no, absolutely no sense. And we saw a lot of terrible racing because of it. It was just stupid. You couldn't pass because of all of that downforce. And so this year, actually, um, they said it's going to be eight inches at super speedways, but 2.75 inches at short tracks and intermediates along with road courses. So road courses okay. are also, I was trying to trick you there, but you, the eight inches really got you. Me. <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, eight inches will get anybody. That's right. Sure Question will. eight. <laughs> Teams are limited to 150 hours in the wind tunnel testing each year. True or false? That is 100% true. And what year did that start? Okay, this is true, false. This isn't ask me your two-part questions. If you're going to confidently answer, you have to confidently give me a correct answer behind I, your answer. I don't want to I don't want to answer your follow-up I want to answer why I understand well, everybody okay. knows why you know that everybody saw that okay well I I don't know I don't know when that started I'm gonna say it started in 2018 it started this year so before okay, well teams had unlimited wind tunnel testing I don't know if there's just one wind tunnel that like hey you guys open them today? Like the driving range? <laughs> can't be. Like, I got to go down and practice. Is that how that works? There's this it one wind be. tunnel in Charlotte? Or does all these teams have their own wind tunnels? 
Like, because that would be so much fun to work for Hendrick and just be like floating out there in the wind tunnel, like ah, sky, like the skydiving machines. Oh but, yeah. I yeah. See. I don't, I don't know how it works, but yeah. Anyway, Hendrick went over by like four hours and they got penalized $150,000 or something ridiculous. Talk about L- lots of money. rules. Yeah. They got fined lots of money in our book. Um, he <sighs> probably just wrote the check and walked away and they also got fined some wind tunnel hours. Mm-hmm. So uh, we know aerodynamics play a huge role. Uh, they, you know, Fox and NBC both do a really good job of showing you when these cars get beside one another, the turbulence that's side drafting, um, what having, you know, debris on your grill can do. We see a lot of that stuff. So uh, I understand how it can be important. I don't understand why somebody getting four extra hours in it why don't you just say okay everybody else gets four extra hours in the wind tunnel unless Mm -hmm. there is only one wind tunnel and the 48 jimmy johnson was like i'm retiring so screw everybody else yeah starcom was like we have been trying to book this (laughs) for eight weeks and hendrick will not get out of it we had to have booking a conference room at the office yeah like did you guys put this on the schedule because i don't see it I put this meeting on here seven weeks ago. <laughs> Number nine, five crew members are allowed over the wall during a pit stop. True or false? True. That is true. It is indeed true. Five people over the wall. Imagine if it was like F1. There was like 400 people over that wall. And waiting. Time. And yeah, and waiting. And they're on these comfy chairs beforehand. <laughs> watching the race, rooting for their driver, and then they, they march out and they have a pit stop in less than two seconds. Yeah, so if you all haven't watched Formula One Drive to Survive on Netflix, this is one thing that Bart and I have talked about that NASCAR needs to do. They need mm-hmm. to do a deep look inside what NASCAR has to offer. These pit stops that Formula One does are just ab- absolutely insane. It's a little too quick for my liking because it doesn't seem like (laughs) I see you smiling over there. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked way too many inches. We've talked too much. There's been too much sexual innuendo this episode. I don't like the Formula One pit stops. Question 10. (laughs) Yeah, but is it necessary to have a limit of five guys and, and make it like 15 seconds? Like, is that really adding to the appeal of it? These guys are athletes. That's, that's apparent. But I don't know if that's necessary. Anyway, moving on. Number 10, final question. The next-gen car will be debuted in the year 2021. True or false? False. Right. Man. COVID ruins everything. So did you get 80%? Is that right? I got 80% this round. I've gone 80, 80, 70, 80. I didn't you, get my 90. That's what I wanted. I'm still you disappointed. you got easily the easiest questions wrong. Well, you know, nobody ever blamed me for being the smartest person in the room. Well, I don't know. When I did this, I got stuff I knew for a fact wrong, and I don't even know <laughs> how that even, I was. It was embarrassing. So that's pretty impressive. I'm just going to start devoting way more time to this. than <laughs> it's, it's not going to end well. All right, until next time, this has been True False. True or False.
Well, folks, if you had the luck that I did in fantasy, you ended up with about 56 points and you were worse than people who didn't even set a lineup in your league. I had everybody wreck out other than Austin Dillon. And luckily I got some stage points from some other folks and was able to rack up my solid 56 points, which puts me no closer to winning any amount of money. Bart, I need you to tell me when I get to the Roval, who do I need to have in my lineup so that you finally pay me in mm. one of these pools that we're in? <laughs> I'll tell you, Talladega is hard. My, me, myself, I had Chase Elliott to the end, and, and Joey Logano was hanging in there for quite a while, but I think I ended up with about 100 points and in sixth place. So it wasn't good for, for me, and I'm, I'm scratching my head on how some of these guys got like 200 points this yeah. week. And it's really like we know better. Like it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of wrecks, and it's going to involve a lot of good people. So why not bet on the Chris Bushers? Why not bet – on the Ty Dillons at these races. I don't know why I don't. I should have. I think I bet too low. (laughs) I think I went too low. Oh, too low. Ty Dillons and the Chris Bushers. And then I went like below that thinking somebody's going to crack off a top 10. I mean, dude, my whole lineup. Who's below that? I had Stenhouse who wrecked on the first lap. Yep, I (laughs) I had that. I had I had Stenhouse, I had Eric Almirola, I had Clint Boyer who was trying to touch Jimmy's butt the whole time. Uh, I had Ricky Stenhouse, I had Kyle Busch who was he himself was also driving around a roll of duct tape. That's I a had, terrible pick. That's a terrible. I, pick. I had Matt DiBenedetto who was the victim of that late penalty and then i had austin dillon austin dillon got me a solid 33 points otherwise i had ricky stenhouse one point clint boyer four points kyle bush 10 points eric almarola one point and matt de benedetto 16 points it was a pathetic mm-hmm. display of nascar and fantasy prowess i'm really really <laughs> upset about it and and dude this is the thing this lets you know how crazy nascar fantasy can be in that two of the top three are guys who just started back into watching nascar or are new fans this year in our league that decided to throw 50 bucks at it and those are two uh, two of the top three are guys who are new guys to it so play nascar fantasy watch nascar this is why you all should be a part of it it's fun you don't have to be a lifelong fan to enjoy watching these races or be a part of fantasy. But Bart, I've got to, I, you got to tell me who I have to have in the Roval because I need to at least have a shot at this money. Well, I'm going to try. So the only problem with the Roval, it's only been around two years. So we only have two years worth of races. We only go there once a year. Um, but at this point, we got more than we did at Daytona Road Course this past year. So my top picks are Clint Boyer actually does wildly consistently well here. Uh, Chase Elliott has won here. Ryan Blaney has won here. Um, he would not have won if uh, Jimmy Johnson and Truex hadn't spun out one, two. Uh, so Truex is a guy that you're definitely going to want to put on your list here. Uh, Joey Logano and Alex Bowman also always do well here. Um, when it, always, when it, two times. Uh, those are my top picks. Good picks. Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, William Byron. No conservative picks. You mean Jimmy Johnson, creator, right? 
Yeah, that was the last playoff race he'll ever race in. And that was yeah. the and that was upsetting because he was going for the win against Truex. I, I, I remember that. Our buddy Caleb was there and said it was just absolutely nuts. But, you know, he had one of those, you got to stop and let everybody pass you before you get going again. So well, our other buddy, Our other buddy actually was there as well. He's a big Ryan Blaney fan. Oh, yeah. And he, like, this is on YouTube. He flipped out. He <laughs> lost his mind yelling screaming he had never seen his driver one in in person especially that wild of a finish like that had to be wild i mean he had the tears of joy him and his wife both and it's being recorded and it made all it got on glass case of emotion with ryan blaney ryan blaney featured it on his episode so we'll share uh, we'll share the youtube link on twitter so that everybody can see oh for um, sure yeah for sure we, we love embarrassing our friends we embarrass ourselves on a weekly basis so uh, we'll put him out there. Well, it's time to talk about silly season. You're all, you're always wanting me to get silly with you. Get silly with me, Chris. I am ready to get silly. There's <laughs> lots of silliness out there. Well, there hasn't really been a whole lot of talk about the silliness that is anticipated. Mm-hmm. The deadline for Matt DiBenedetto's contract was last Wednesday, and here it is. What day is it? Monday. There's <laughs> nothing. There's nothing. Nothing. And he almost won the race, and you can tell that there's the defeat in his eyes mm-hmm. because the uncertainty that is going on in something that should be a sure thing based on his talent alone. He deserves that ride so much, and it's going to make me so fiercely mad if they give that to Austin Cedric. I will never forgive them. Mm-hmm. Quote me on that one. The Wood Brothers will be dead to me if they get rid of him. That's, that's one. Another one, the 48. <laughs> I love the Wood Brothers. I'll take it back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the 48, still nothing out of the Hendrick camp on who's taking over that or um, Alex Bowman's going to slide over the 48 and somebody's going to take the 88. Uh, but we're starting to hear more about Kyle Larson. He has been in the news recently. He went up to a school where he, we learned that he was up there working with them in the past over – uh, diversity and inclusion. So he was up there with a GM executive and a NASCAR. Uh, I think Steve Phelps was was him. And then uh, last night it broke that he had updated his website with a big statement that he made. It was very good um, about how he spent the last year uh, reflecting and learning and trying to be a better person and really trying to make up for the mistake that he made. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was very good for him to come out and say um, what he said is very eloquent. And obviously he is taking this very seriously. Uh, because it is number one important um, that we all learn and um, be people uh, realizing that we're not like everybody so that's number one number two his livelihood was taken away and so um, it is really important that he takes the time to learn um, because he is a role model and people look up to him and you can't be that when you do things like that so I think he's making the right steps to move forward. Mm-hmm. And I do think that right now he will be the person at the, uh, in the 48 or the 88, whichever the Hendrick camp decide um, to provide, because that's the only thing I'm hearing. And obviously we're not in the end uh, to know for certain, but you see those rumors flowing around on Twitter and Instagram. And generally once you see them enough from different sources, you know that they're, they're correct. Um, so I feel that that's um, probably going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I agree with that. The silly part to me is we have had drivers who have left their cars with no ride in the cup series. 
like a Corey LaJoy, like a Daniel Suarez. We heard on Dale Jr. Download a couple of weeks ago, Justin Allgaier did the same thing when he went back to Xfinity. If Austin Sendrick doesn't get into the Wood Brothers ride, that leaves Austin Sendrick down in Xfinity. We know that a lot of the top guys that are contenders, Justin Haley's, we know that Chase Briscoe, we haven't heard anything about him coming back to cup or coming into the cup rather. And we've got a lot of guys, Noah Gragson. If we start to see a flood of talent into the Xfinity series, this is going to be the series to watch. Mm-hmm. I think we are going to have, we've, we've had a lot of solid racing from the Xfinity series. But if you start throwing former champions, Orion Priest, who's been very successful in the Xfinity series, if you put Daniel Suarez down there, if you put Corey LaJoy down there, we're going to have a lot of talent mm-hmm. that top rung. It's going to expand from seven to nine people to nine to 12, 13, 14 people who are solid drivers in the Xfinity series. And we're going to start getting the very competitive racing that we desire from each level of the sport. So I am excited to see where that goes because we haven't seen a lot of information on where these drivers who have backed out with no ride are going. And we haven't seen a lot from the best drivers in the lower series that they're going to be moving up to the next one. So uh, I'm excited to see where that goes. It's definitely going to be silly. Yeah. And I, and I think that um, Ross Chastain deserves a place in the cup and some of these other drivers like Chase Briscoe, Austin Sendrick, Justin Haley, uh, Noah Gragson, we'll all see them in the cup eventually. And one thing that I, I hate to see is that when a driver has so much initial success or success after one or two years in the Xfinity series and they're rushed to the cup because Mm -hmm. they are cup material. They're going to win championships because it's kind of a, a risk that some team owners want to take because it happened in the past. Um, Some good drivers like Jeff Gordon plucked out of the lower series. Jimmy Johnson plucked out of the lower series. They just started immediately having success um, but what I hate to see is some of these drivers going backwards. Like Daniel Hemrick made it up to the Cup Series. He lost his ride with RCR and had to go back. Um, really, Daniel Suarez should have gone backwards um, because he's not doing much in the 96. Really, it was all about his sponsorship. And Toyota and Coca-Cola want him to stay in the Cup. And I hate to see drivers go get rushed up there too soon. They get a top-tier ride, and then they go back down. So. I, I really don't think it's time yet to see Austin Sendrick and and Chase Briscoe, for that matter, put in the cup. Give them another year, maybe two years. There's no rush. There is so much competition in the cup. You're not going to see them take off immediately. We've watched it this year with Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick. Um, we expected Tyler Reddick to, to do something. And while he had occasional successes, he – he didn't really take off like I thought he would. Number two, Cole Custer, he did nothing the entire year. The only thing he did do is win at Kentucky. And, I mean, he did it, and that was a great finish, and he earned it. But, I mean, other than that, there hasn't really been much out of him or the rest of the rookies, Quinn Huff. And I, I, I completely agree with you, and I really think that it benefits. And a- after talking to 
a guy like Bob Sargent, I think it really benefits having people who get good at racing and they don't just pluck them and immediately throw them in. We've seen it with Haley Deegan and Arca. She did well in K&N. They merged those series. So she started racing in the Arca and she's done well, but she hasn't had the success she had against some of those K&N drivers. And so I think there is something to making sure that people mature in the sport, making sure they understand the car. One thing that I have to say is the first guest that we ever had on this show in Kaz Grala, he has top 10 finishes in all three series of NASCAR, in all three major series, Gander Outdoor and RV Trucks, Xfinity and Cup Series. He has top 10 finishes in all of those. That is a guy who needs to have a full-time ride in the Xfinity series because we've seen him perform at every level of the sport. And we saw him perform at a super speedway in a truck. We saw him perform at a road course and in an oval in the Xfinity series. And we saw him perform against cup drivers on the road course at Daytona. That's a guy that I would really like to see get a full-time ride because those are the natural talents like a Jimmy Johnson, like a Jeff Gordon that you saw when they were young, just intrinsically be able to win. And he is putting himself in the best position with decent middle to decent equipment. So I, you know, I I'd love in silly season to see, not only the guy that we got our first interview with, but a, a guy that's just shown that he's got, a, he can race the hell out of a car. I'd like to see him get an opportunity. Yeah. And the, my, my, my counter to my own opinion is that. <laughs> You're so good at this. I'm so good at this. Is that the cars actually are very different. Xfinity to cup They're mm. The cup have way more horsepower and are just set up differently. So it, you you see a a somewhat good driver in Xfinity or even trucks, and then they go to Cup, and it takes them five years to get to 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 know the car. It just takes a long time for them to adapt. And we've we saw it with what we're seeing in real time with Eric Jones. I think the best is yet to come for him probably. Mm-hmm. And then Joey Logano also he it took him years to really start succeeding in in Cup, and now he's um, won championship. And also probably will win maybe a couple more. And so that's another thing is you don't get them in there, then they can't learn and adapt and eventually exactly. start winning. I think it's just the expectation that you put, you put them in there and they should be winning immediately, knowing good and well as an owner that it's most likely going to be a long game. Yeah, slow burn, definitely. And sometimes it takes lighting a fire under somebody's butt to make them get to where they need to be and, and switch in teams like we've seen with a Joey Logano, um, even a Kurt Busch hopping around and getting wins. So as we go to the Roval, we are looking at another competitive racetrack that is going to be an elimination race. Bart, who do we have currently locked in? Who do we have going into the playoffs? And what can we look forward to as we head to the Charlotte Roval? Yeah, this is easily the hardest round of the NASCAR playoffs. This is not for the faint of heart. Number one, you start off with Las Vegas and you move on to a super speedway where you've got to have talent plus luck and a good strategy. Mm-hmm. And then a, ro- a, a Roval, which is made out of a half mile speedway slash road course 
and it is a lot of opportunity for mistake. And so this one is very tough and we're going to see a lot of people's dreams broken uh, come Sunday afternoon. So at this moment, we've got Denny Hamlin and Kurt Busch locked in. They have both won a race. Um, Harvick is very much locked mm-hmm. in. He's got uh, 68 points to the good, sitting in third. Keselowski's uh, looking pretty good as well in fourth with plus 41. Uh, Truex and Elliott also look all right. Truex in fifth, plus 32, and Elliott in sixth with plus 27. It's um, seventh and on is where we're looking looking for some trouble here. Yeah, so coming into seventh place, we've got Alex Bowman, who is 22 points above the cut line, and Joey Logano, who is 21 points above the cut line. Those are two points that when we saw coming into the playoffs, when we saw going into the round of 12, 20 points won't do it for you. You could have a bad day, and it could easily put you out of the playoffs. What I'm concerned about below the cut line is we've got Austin Dillon at 21 points below the cut line and Kyle Busch at 21 points below the cut line. I may say, I may be saying something that's super controversial here, Bart. Austin Dillon has been more consistent than Kyle Busch over the past 10 races. And he has shown that he could crack off a top five or a top 10 performance And Kyle Busch, all he's shown us is that he can roll something across the line that has a roll of duct tape and four tires on it and finish the race and get pissed off. Kyle Busch said at the end of last race, we're not going to make it to the round of eight. That wouldn't inspire me as your tire changer, as your jack man, as your gas man, or as your crew chief. I don't think he's going to make it. Yeah, I don't either. uh, I I see Kyle Busch not making it. I could see Joey Logano and Austin Dillon really being the ones who are truly on the bubble. Uh, Clint Boyer, unfortunately, I I don't think he's going to make it. And Eric Almirola, he was having a great race at Talladega and just became the victim of some nonsense. So he's 48 points below the cut line. I don't see him making it in at the Roval either. No, I don't. We're going to see that Amarillo's done. Uh, Austin Dillon, he's done. Uh, Kyle Busch is, is done. So those three, in my eyes, are done. Uh, you think Clint Boyer can make it? Bo- Boyer is very good here, is the thing. He's consistently had success here. He may need to win it. So that's, mm-hmm. that's going to be the thing that um, I don't know if he can do that. But um, it's really, I think Bowman... Logano and Boyer, those are really the three fighting for the, those those final spots there. Um, but that's the only movement that we could see is Boyer. Otherwise, I think it's pretty well locked in with Logano wow. in eighth. And okay. uh, yeah, that's what I think. Well, if you're a gambling man, don't listen to us if you're gambling your mortgage away this weekend because <laughs> that, that's a lot of differing opinions for you to take to the sports book. Hey, I have won more money than I've lost this year. <laughs> so far, season not over yet. If you take in all the other like 20 sports out there, I'm in the same position. So We appreciate you all, as always, listening to episode 18 of Going In Tight, Coming Out Loose. We're young, but we're going to keep delivering it to you guys as long as you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple. 
follow us on Spotify or reach out to us on Anchor. That's where we host our podcast and you can review us, send us a message there. Let us know we're doing a good job for you guys. If you want to find our content, our past episodes, any of our fantasy forecasts that we're putting out, you can find us on goingintightpodcast.com and we will look forward to talking to you all next week. Peace.